Welcome to the Living Godcast. Our prayer is that this message speaks to you, impacts you, and inspires you. Please enjoy today's message, and we invite you to contact us if you need prayer, appreciate this word, or would like more information on Church of the Living God. Be blessed today. I told him in the 9 a.m., I said, we cannot ever take for granted the presence of the Lord that fills this place. The presence of the Lord that fills this place. There are houses all over the nation, all over this city that would fast and pray to get the kind of presence that fills this place. I don't say that to brag. I say that because I'm, I am humbled that the Lord would fill this house, that he would fill this house with his presence. It is, it is a humbling thing that he would fill this house with his presence. I have a a word from the Lord this morning. About a week ago, I, we were in the presence of the Lord worshiping, and I heard the Lord say that we are to be a people who are recalibrated in His presence. A people who are recalibrated in His presence. And so I want to I dive into that in a minute. And um, as I thought about that this week, and I processed that word, which is what you're what you do when the Lord speaks to you. If you get everything out of what the Lord says in the moment He says it, I would offer that either you didn't get it all or it wasn't the Lord. Um, so as I as I worked on what the Lord said, I thought about um, I thought about the restaurants that I worked in growing up, and I thought about <clears throat> I thought about these thermometers that we used to have. We had. A bunch of thermometers that we would use to take the temperature of like the foods. How many of you have like a, a meat thermometer at home? Not like the super fancy digital ones, okay? I'm talking like the $3 ones, the $5 ones. We had a bunch of them at this restaurant that I worked at in college. And we would use them for all kinds of different foods, hot foods and cold foods and a bunch, bunch of different stuff. And so throughout the course of using them throughout the course of washing them, throughout the course of putting them away and getting them out, they would get off. They wouldn't break. And it wasn't that they were necessarily dysfunctional. They still read temperatures. But what would happen is, is the internal mechanism of it would get twisted, if you would. And over time, they would stop reading the temperatures correctly. And so you would Put it in whatever you're supposed to be reading the temperature of, and it might be 20 degrees warm or 20 degrees cold. Now, it was still reading correctly, but it was way off from where it was supposed to be. Well, if you've just got one of those, it's really easy to just throw it away and buy a new one. But if you've got 20 or 30 of them, and you're having to do this every month, it's not as financially accommodable to do this and just throw them away. So we went through a process where we would have to recalibrate these thermometers. And there was actually a system where we would have to get them back to level set to where they were appropriately reading the temperatures correctly. How many of you know that there's a lot of like external things going on right now? There's a lot going on around us. There's a lot going on in our city in our county, in our, in our nation, in our state. There's a lot going on around the world. And I feel like the Lord is saying in this hour, we have to be a people who are appropriately calibrated. And if we're not appropriately calibrated, we may not be broken. 
we may be working correctly, but we're going to be reading way off of where we're supposed to be reading. Does that, does that land? Does that make sense? Okay. So that's where we're getting in today. All right? That's where we're going to jump off today. I want to take you to Romans. Romans 12. And that's where we're going to start today. Romans 12. And I'm in the King James, so you're all welcome. Joking. Joking. Everybody on the podcast, I'm joking. Romans 12. <laughs> Romans 12. I'll read and then we'll pray. And y'all can pray for me. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. That you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're here moving in the atmosphere. Jesus, that you have stepped in to accept the praise that we've offered to you today. We ask now that you would breathe on this good seed of the kingdom. And that you would use it to plant it into fertile soil. That it would go deep into good soil and sow good roots. That it wouldn't spring up, but it would grow up like the good seed of the kingdom does. And it would produce good fruit for the lives of these people. So that you, Jesus, would receive glory. And that our lives would be good and fruitful lives that bring you honor. Thank you, Lord. Bless me. Use these lips to bring you glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Okay, so Paul, coming off of Romans 11, he does this whole like tree metaphor thing. He talks about the Jews and the Gentiles. And Paul's in this weird spot where he's a Jew, but he's also a Roman citizen. And so he's got this... Very unique perspective. He's a Jew, but he's an apostle to the Gentiles. And he's got this beautiful metaphor that he sets up where he talks about a tree and a wild olive branch being grafted in. And Paul talks about the Jews are the natural olive branch that actually has been broken off of the tree so that God can graft in the wild olive branch that is the Gentiles into the tree that is Christ. And if you know anything about like grafting in, and I actually saw a video on Facebook not long ago when I was wasting time about a guy showing like the different ways to graft in. And it's just so cool because you actually have to break something off to graft something in. So Paul's painting this beautiful picture about breaking a branch off and grafting a branch in. But he says the Jews aren't going to be thrown away. They're actually going to be regrafted back in later on. And it's this beautiful picture about God's mercy towards us. So all of that is the setup for chapter 12. The whole synopsis of chapter 11 is God is abundantly merciful to, towards especially us. Yes, towards people as a whole, because we're all sinful people. Yes, towards the Jewish people who he selected as his own people, a prized possession. But especially towards us, who he went out of his way to select. And then Paul dives in, because remember, this is a letter to a Gentile church. So he's like, hey, listen, you guys especially are carrying mercy on your lives. And then we begin with chapter 12, verse 1. And he says, I beseech you, therefore, 
because of all of that mercy, according to or by the mercies of God. So on behalf of all of those mercies, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So Paul here, as, the, as an apostolic father, is beseeching or begging or entreating the Roman church to give their all, essentially, to Jesus. I love this word beseech here because it's not only to beg or entreat, but it's also to encourage and to strengthen. Paul here is actually doing some prophetic insight for the church at Rome. How many of you know that things are going to get rocky for the church at Rome in a little bit? Like, things aren't going to be all rose. When Paul writes Rome, writes the book of Romans, things actually aren't that bad in, in Rome for Christians. When he pins Romans, things actually aren't terrible for the Romans. Nero, who is the guy who would light Christians on fire and use them as candles, he hasn't taken power yet, or if he has, there's some debate. If he has, he's just now coming into power and hasn't gone like full psycho yet. So when Paul's writing Romans, it's actually not a terrible time for the Christians, but Paul, as an apostolic father, because this is what fathers do, he is encouraging and challenging and strengthening his sons and daughters by saying, listen, this thing cannot just be a heart decision. He says, I want you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice to Christ. The word for bodies there is a, is a literal body. Christ is saying, I want you to give everything to Jesus. Everything to Jesus. This cannot just be a decision you make in your heart. It cannot just be a thing you make in your heart and say, well, I've decided to follow Jesus because I sang the song in the car on the way to work this morning, but that that was it. That was the end of my decision-making process. No, Paul, as the apostolic father, is strengthening the church at Rome, saying, if it stops in your heart, that's actually not reasonable service unto God. The reasonable service unto God actually has to go beyond a heart decision. It actually has to affect your entire being. Why? Because there's coming a point for the church at Rome where things are going to not look so rosy. Because Paul understands that there's coming a moment where things aren't going to look as awesome as they look right now. And Paul says, if you're going to survive the day of, I don't want to use that word, if you're going to survive the day of, of, of not so easy, you're going to have to be all in. It cannot just be a decision in your heart. I'm not, I'm not preaching tribulation. Here's what I'm saying. There will come a day when you're sitting at a lunch table and you have an open door to say, have you heard about Jesus? And if all you've ever done is made the decision in here and never given everything in, you'll never step through that door. As Pastor Matt preached about last week. Because it takes everything To step into a situation where everything else is saying, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. They don't have to be staking us up for us to be shaking and saying, I don't want to do it. Have you ever tried to walk across the street and witness to someone? Do you know the kind of inner turmoil you will go through? 
the kind of questions you'll present to yourself, the kind of difficulties you'll struggle with, just walking across the street and asking someone if they've ever heard about Jesus, if this decision is one that's only made in here and not in everything kind of decision, then it will never be one that affects the out there. It will never be a decision that affects the out there. If it's going to be a decision that impacts out there and not just in here, it has to be one that's my whole self. My whole self. And Paul says it's got to be everything. Everything. This morning in the 9 a.m., the Holy Spirit put it in my heart while I was preaching. Because if it's not my everything, then there's a piece of me that's not in. There's a piece of me that's not in. And if a piece of me is not in with Him, then it's in with something or someone else. Someone else. And it's following someone else and listening to someone else and doing what someone else wants it to do. And if I'm going to impact Winchester or Richmond where I live or go preach and impact Mount Sterling, then it's got to be all of me. All of me. It can't just be a heart decision. And Paul, in fatherly love, says, I love you so much and I'm so proud that you've made a decision in your heart to follow Jesus. But don't you dare stop there. Don't you dare stop there. How many times has the apostle, maybe he just does this to those like me, he comes along and says, I'm proud of you, but more. You've got to go after more. You've got to do more. It requires more. The kingdom requires more. The kingdom is always asking for more of us. More of us. He gave everything of himself for us. And he's asking us to give all of us for him. So Paul says it can't just be a decision in the heart. It's got to be one that where we give all of ourselves. And he goes on to verse 2. And I would argue that verse 2 actually better explains verse 1. I don't think verse 2 is a separate thought. I think verse 2 better explains verse 1. He says, And don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. I know these are super common scriptures. Hang in there with me. I promise we're going somewhere. Okay, don't be conformed to this world. We all know what conformed is. It's the, it's the pattern of, it's falling into a pattern. It's falling into the same semblance. We all know what conformed is. It's like, it's like pouring water into a, a container. It takes whatever the shape of the container is. Paul's saying, don't be conformed. Don't take the shape. My, I want to point out the word world here. Because this is where the Lord began to challenge me. And I, I had this conversation in the car with my wife because I, when the Lord challenged me on it, I, I went to her and I said, I think, I think this is what we've done. The, the word for world here, so often when we read it, here's what we do. We say, don't be conformed to this world. And we point our finger at the door and we say, don't be like them. Don't be like them. Don't be like the drug addict. Don't be like the drunkard. Don't be like the crazy people running around half naked. Don't be like those awful people. 
That's what, I, that's what I've always read when I read this verse. Don't be like the world. We're the church. We shouldn't be like the world. We should be like the church. We shouldn't be like the world. But here's the problem. When I read this verse and I say, I shouldn't be like the world, immediately what it does is it puts a separation between me and them. And it becomes me versus them. Me against them. Me fighting with them. Me warring with them. But the word for world here, it means age, period of time, course. But it also means life itself. What is the apostle saying here? Is he saying you shouldn't be like the drunkard or the drug addict? Yes. Yes, he is. He's saying that. Brandon is not saying you should go be like those people. Here's what he's also saying. Don't let life begin to impact the way you perceive the world. Don't let life mold the way you think. He would go on to say in this verse, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We're going to get there. He's specifically looking at the mind. And he's, th- and he's saying, be conformed to this world. Life itself has a way of warping the way that we look at things. This book was meant to be the lens that we look at life. He was meant to be the lens that I look at life through. You know, David said, I have set the Lord always before me. I think David was actually talking about worship. But you know what happens when you set the Lord always before you for worship? He actually becomes a lens that you look at life through. He becomes the lens that you look at life through. Did you know life looks way different? Back up. Life looks way different when you look at it through Jesus versus when you look at it through Republican or Democrat. It looks way different when you look at it through Jesus versus when you look at it through vaccinated or unvaccinated. It looks way different when you look at it through Jesus versus masked or unmasked. Jesus was meant to be the lens. But the problem is... Our warping through life has allowed us to take on a lens that we were never meant to take on. But when we read the world, we say, well, I'm not looking at it like a drunk, therefore I'm good. I'm not looking at it like the heroin addict, so I'm fine. I'm not looking at it like the people running around without clothes on, so I'm good to go. When Paul is saying, awesome, but I'm strengthening you to come up higher. As a father, I'm asking you, don't put the bar so low that it's laying on the ground. Set it a little higher. And here is the bar, Jesus. He's the bar. And the lens is Jesus. What does Jesus think about it? Well, I don't know. What did He say about it? I don't know. Well, go find out or ask Him. He still talks. He still talks. But we have allowed life to warp the way we look at things. And it's not just today. It's been happening for decades and millennia. The book says that I'm healed of the Lord. But the doctor report says I'm sick. Am I saying deny facts? That's not what I'm saying. Bill Johnson likes to say faith doesn't deny facts. It denies it a place of influence. It denies it a place of influence. If the book says I'm healed of the Lord, then I'm healed of the Lord. 
Well, you're still sick in your body. Well, I guess today's the day he's going to show up. He is the lens through which I'm supposed to view life. Not the world around me. And when I allow that to be the lens, then I become like the world and I fit into the container and I look just like them. And all of a sudden, I don't stand out anymore. I don't look different anymore. And John said, I'm supposed to be in the world, but not of the world. And now I'm of the world and in the world. And I don't look any different and I don't sound any different. And where's the power and where's the fire? I don't know. Because I'm in the world and of the world, that's why there's no power and no fire. Because my wood has gotten wet that I'm trying to put on the altar. Because my lenses have gotten skewed. And I've got those weird 3D goggles on that's got a red and a blue lens. And one is Jesus, the other is church. One is Jesus, but the other is politics. One is Jesus, but the other is finances. I'm not saying God hates money, but He does hate the love of it. One is Jesus, and the other is how much power can I get? One is Jesus, and the other is did my candidate win? One is Jesus, and the other is how does it impact me? And my Savior took a towel, and He didn't care about how it impacted Him. Because He took a towel so He could wipe feet. And He is supposed to be the lens. He was always supposed to be the lens. And we've allowed an angel of light to sneak into the church and say, well, you don't look like the world. So you're good to go, man. You don't look like the world. The dude across the street, you don't look like him. Have you been downtown lately? You don't look like them. But have you checked out Facebook? We look a lot like them. We look a lot like them. We sound a lot like them. We feel a lot like them. Our impact is a lot like them. No, we don't look like the heroin addict. But we sure do look like the hateful people. Sometimes. Not all the time. I'm not saying all the time. But we have allowed the, our, our other lenses to twist the way that we view things. Because we've stopped using the lens that we were always intended to have. He said, don't be conformed to the world. But be transformed. You know what that word You know the first time that word transform shows up? On the Mount of Transfiguration. It shows up four times in the scriptures. Twice on the Mount of Transfiguration. Once in 2 Corinthians 3. When we're transformed from glory to glory to glory in His glory. And the fourth time is here. We are transformed. it It is not an intellectual exercise. If the transformation is a transformation that only happens up here, it wasn't a transformation. It was a good idea. It was a good idea. The transformation has to be one that affects the outside of you. It affects the outside of you. The law of first mention, the first time something shows up in the Bible, it sets the principle for all the other times. 
What happened when Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration? What was inside of him showed up on the outside of him. Right? What was inside showed up on the outside. This is the principle of transfiguration. What's on the inside shows up on the outside. And here's how you're transformed. By the renewing of your mind. Here's the recalibration. Renewing. Merriam-Webster says it's to make like new, to restore, to fresh refreshness, to restore to vigor, to restore to perfection. This is not a new mind. Notice the scripture does not say we get a new mind. We get a renewed mind, a recalibrated mind, a reset mind. You know what the Greek lexicon says about this? The lexicon basically gives us further explanation of what the word means. That's like the generic term of what the lexicon means. It gives us a a better definition. This word for renewing means renewal or renovation. And the lexicon says the renewal or the renovation is effected by the Holy Spirit. It has to be effected by the Holy Spirit. It has to be affected by the Holy Spirit. The word for mind is your perception or your understanding. Here is how God transforms us. He, by His Holy Spirit, (laughs) He, by His Holy Spirit, recalibrates the way that we understand and we perceive the world around us. And that creates a transformation on the inside of us that is evident around us. This is how he testifies to the people around you. Is it the miracles and the signs and the wonders? Yes. I am not saying don't pray for people. I have a shirt on that has the word miracles on it. I'm not saying don't pray for people. If you know me, you know that's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying it doesn't have to be a miracle. Because... This will testify to the people you work with. You can actually disagree with somebody without screaming at them on Facebook. You can disagree with someone and sit and have lunch with them. Because a testimony in today's world would be you sitting and having lunch with someone who they know you don't agree with. And having a normal human interaction with someone who they know you see completely opposite with. And your coworkers say, how in the world are you sitting with this person? Are you even breathing around this person? You disagree on everything. And what is in you begins to testify around you. Because he has recalibrated the way that you perceive and you understand things. You stop looking at people who disagree with you as enemies. And stop looking at them as though they have something wrong with them. And stop looking at them as though they've got a screw loose. And you start looking at them as perhaps they've got a different view on something. Because maybe their life is different because it is. And you start looking at people through the lens of God loves them and Jesus died for them. And whether or not we agree or not, my job is to love. My job is to love. And between my love and whatever else happens, the one who's got nail scars will figure the rest out. He'll take care of the rest. 
Because the church has become a place of division and finger pointing and anger. Anger. The church has become a place of anger and envy and strife. And I think the enemy sits back and says, look at what I've sown in the gardens of their hearts. The little foxes that I let in have spoiled all the vines. They've taken simple disagreements and they've turned them into Facebook world wars. (laughs) Facebook world wars, man. And we've forgotten the lens that we were called to look through. But he is recalibrating the way that we think. He is recalibrating the way that we perceive. Recalibrating the way that we understand. To understand and perceive the way that he thinks. I'm almost done. That you would be transformed through the renewing of your mind. I think this is... I said verse 2 is a further explanation of verse 1. In verse 1, Paul says, give your whole selves, your whole body. And then in verse 2, he says, and mind your mind. Mind your mind. It all starts in the way you think. Everything in the kingdom starts in the way you think. Faith starts in the mind. Faith starts in the mind. Everything starts in the mind. God will bring you into the greatest things in the kingdom through the channels of your mind and belief and faith. And Paul, when he's saying, give him everything, he actually takes another sentence to say, oh, and and by the way, start with your mind. Start with your mind. Don't start with fasting. Don't Don't start with reading lots of scriptures. Start with getting before him and letting him renew your mind. Renewing the way you think so you can think like him. You know Solomon? When Solomon said he wanted wisdom. You, you know in Hebrew what that actually means when Solomon said he wanted wisdom? It's actually the processor of God. When Solomon said he wanted wisdom, it's actually the ability to think like God. It's actually the ability to process things like God. When Solomon's standing before these problems... And he's answering them with such great wisdom that people's mouths are dropping open. It's because he's processing things according to a mind that is renewed. He reached into the New Testament and grabbed a renewed mind when he shouldn't have had access to it. And he's processing things with a processor from heaven with the mind of Christ. And people are traveling from all over the known world to go, what is this thing? The same is true today. People with an unrenewed mind will travel from all over to sit at the feet and learn from people who have a renewed mind. That's not to build us up. It's to give Jesus the glory He's due. It's His mind working through us. It's His mind working through us. That you may prove what is good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. That you may test scrutinize, examine, recognize as genuine. If we have ever needed a people to have a form of discernment, which is what this is, it is today. It is today. To recognize what is a genuine ability, to have an ability to to be able to recognize what is genuine. 
What is genuinely the heart of the Father in a situation? What is genuinely the heart of the Lord in a situation? Not what sounds good. Not what someone tells you is good. Not what the masses say we should think is good in a situation. But to hear the heartbeat of the Father in a situation. To lean in until you know this is His heart in this situation. This is our call in this hour. To know His heartbeat. And doing this allows us to know what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. The good, the well-pleasing, and the absolutely perfect will. The things that He has planned, the things that He has purposed, the things that He has designed and desired for our lives and the lives around us. And it comes through people who are yielded in their minds to having their thinking recalibrated. That means my thinking has to be put to the wayside. That means the way I want to think takes a lower seat than the way He wants to think. And it only comes through His Holy Spirit. Through His Holy Spirit. When the Lord gave me this word, and He said we're to be a people who are recalibrated through His presence, He gave me a picture with it. And it's a, it's a strange picture. And it's a weird <laughs> picture. But I'm just going to do it. Because that's what he said to do. And um, it was a. It was a mom. Who was laying with a newborn child. On her chest. A mom who had a newborn child laying on her chest. And the only reason I knew what this was. Because we just, we just had a baby recently. A few months ago. And. We've got Sawyer, obviously, and the baby was having what they call skin-to-skin contact. And, and I felt like the Lord was saying, this is what it looks like to be a people who are recalibrated in the presence of the Lord. Did you know that, did you know that nearly every expert recommends that newborn babies... Spend skin-to-skin time with their mother. Nearly every expert. And not just newborn babies. But some experts say that babies up to six months old. Should spend skin-to-skin time with their mother. And that skin-to-skin time. Calms the baby. It releases hormones that relieve stress. That regulate temperature. That regulate breathing rate. That regulate heart rate. That boosts the baby's immune system. That promote brain development. And create a stronger connection. Between the two. And I know that's a strange picture. But that's the picture I got. And I feel like the temptation is. To have a renewed mind through reading lots of scripture. And I think we should read scripture. But this book apart from his presence won't do anything for you. And I think the temptation is to go and fast and pray a lot. And that's great. But that apart from his presence won't do anything for you. And I'm reminded that John is the one who laid his head back against his chest. And John's the only one who made it to the foot of Calvary.
He's the only one who made it to the foot of Calvary. And John's the one who got to see the eyes of fire. Peter's shadow healed the sick. But John got to see the hair that was white as wool. And eyes that were like flames of fire. And a voice that was like the sound of mighty waters. He got to see the one who holds the stars in his hands. And if we're going to be a people who have their minds recalibrated by the presence of the Lord, it's going to be not because we're striving for it. It's going to be because we're laying back into it continually. Continually resting in His presence. Will you stand with me this morning? It is so... It is so rare. It, it would be so... It, I, I can't even say it is rare because I don't know of people. It would be so rare to be a people who could carry the love of Jesus with such integrity that we could stand completely opposite of people and yet Love them graciously in the midst of it. And this is what he's called us to. This is what he's called us to, church. I can't stand the divisiveness. I cannot stand the bitterness and the back and forth and the pitting each other against each other. I can't stand it. It drives me nuts. This is, what a word, what a word. There's, between my house and the church, there's a particular uh, church in route, and their church historically, and our church historically, I don't mean this particular church, I'm just, uh, th there's some difference in doctrines. We'll just say that. And I had been just moved to find out who was in that place. And the other day, I drove up under their little drive through and uh, knocked on the door. And this man came to the door, cracked it just a little bit. He didn't know me, and I didn't know him. He's bigger than I am, so I think he assessed that. I may have been faster than him. Uh, so we got to talking. And uh, we talked for almost two hours. And... Uh, I looked at him. He looked at me. I said, I'm, I'm pretty hungry. I said, do you ever go down to Broadway? How many of y'all go to Broadway to get eat? Anybody? Is that all? Y'all got to get more than that. It's good. Anyway, so we got, we met each other. 
never had known each other. I was curious. I'm a curious person. Some people would call it nosy. And so we're talking about this. And we're talking about things that had happened in his life. And I saw that it was a miracle. God miraculously saved this man. Yeah, come on. Uh, even after his salvation. Yeah. And uh, so it was a, a neat thing. And uh, so here we are going to Broadway. And it was awesome. Come on. It was just awesome. Uh, I said, well, now who... Who owns the building? And he says, I do. He does. Mm -hmm. And not a church association, but he does. And so we found out that we've had a lot of similar things. And it was just a neat thing, and it was a God thing. Yeah. And I had looked at it several times, and that day, that was the time. Listen. Listen. To that hunch. Yeah. Listen to what God is. We tend to get more out of what God is screaming. But I've learned over the years. Yeah, come on. That's right. If you're really going to walk with God, make sure He can whisper to you. Come on. And He can whisper to you. You shout, shouting's fun. Running the floor is fun. But when he is whispering, he is whispering. It is close. And it is beautiful. And so God says, I'm not done yet. I'm going to download this into uh, this guy. <laughs> and uh, just, just let him preach that. And that's good. I'm not... A, I'm not concerned anymore how often I preach. I just want to be effective. Yeah. And to uh, sit, sit with another great man of God to do that. Brandon should have been with me, but they've got children and another child. Come, they're busy. But uh, I just want to share that because I was about ready to pass out the more he preached on this. Because, okay, God, I got it. Yeah. I got it. It wasn't just a hunch. That's right. It was something that you is doing. Right. He's doing something right. among denominal churches right. in this city. That's right. Amen. You know, a lot of times we can get a, a roar when we're talking about casting out demons or right. a roar when we're going to pray for revival, you know. But then God shows up and says, why don't I... I why don't you just get involved in a new level of, Come on. Uh, of mutual Come on. respect? Come on. Mutual respect. Come on. And, uh, and I believe I found a, another friend. Come on. And God did it at this time to say amen to me. And I'd said this at this time to say amen to you. Come on. Thank you for following God. Thank you. for a minute. <clears throat>
Jesus said in John 17, I have given them my glory that they may be one. What does a church, what does a city full of churches working together look like? Getting stuff done? Yeah. Impacting the community? Yeah. Helping the homeless and the drug addicts? Yeah. More importantly, what does it look like? Full of His glory. Full of His glory. He has given His glory that we might be one. What does it look like for people to sit across the table with each other at lunch who don't agree with each other, who disagree on 99 out of 100 topics? Does it look like just a good lunch? Yeah, but it also looks like glory. Glory to His name and glory in the moment. Glory in the moment. It's, it's not just passing time, friends. It's not just you biting your tongue and getting through the moment. It's literally a release of His glory. It's literally a release of His glory. When we come into unity, it's a release of His glory. So Jesus, we pray that over these people. We pray that we would be a people who lean into you that you would recalibrate the way that we think that you would recalibrate our minds our perceptions our understanding Lord that we would take off the lenses that we put on over the years the lenses of our families and our friends and our parties Lord the lenses of our finances and of our of our struggles and our worries Lord that we would lay down every lens that we've picked up over the seasons of life and we would again pick up the lens of the Holy Spirit and of Jesus and of the Father and we would begin again to be a people that look at those around us and our circumstances and our situations through the lens that you have given us which is you and then as we do that Lord your glory would be released in and through our lives that glory would begin to flood our families that glory would begin to flood our workplaces Lord that tangible glory would start showing up on the shop floor in Georgetown as people that have been at people's necks for years start agreeing to disagree and just love each other for the sake of Jesus that the glory of the Lord would start showing up in the unity that you have released Lord we thank you that you've given us a way to put off the weight of these lenses and to have the freedom of just being who you've called us to be we don't have to carry the weight of that mess anymore we can just be free to love and let you take care of the rest and Lord if we get frustrated because Lord we'll get frustrated between here and the door if we're not careful if we get frustrated we will run to you instead of Facebook We will run to you instead of Facebook so that you can clothe us in your presence to go back out and do it again. Bless this people, oh God. Bless this people, oh God. 
to be a people that carry your glory to the streets of Winchester and Lexington and Georgetown and Richmond and Mount Sterling that the world would see you in and through us and we thank you for it Jesus we bless you for it Jesus in your holy name amen and amen amen and amen I think we can do just a little bit better than that. Can we give God praise for the house, for the word of the house? Hallelujah. <sighs> we've heard these scriptures all of our lives, and we've taken them for in the church. But it says in Psalm 133, Behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It's like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard that went down to the skirts of his garment. As the, as the dew of Hermon and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion for there the Lord commanded the blessing even forevermore always oil represents the Holy Spirit if we get more in unity there'll be more power of the Holy Spirit to reach this city hallelujah Brandon great word great word if we do that church God has no other option than to move Pastor and I were sitting with, uh, we went took Larry Gregory out to eat, and we sat with uh, Pastor Ryan Dotson and, and Pastor um, Garvin Rico Floyd. He's the pastor at Redeeming Grace Church of God. And they're our brothers. They're our brethren, if you want to get spiritual about it. Not because of the color of his skin, but because he shared part of his story. We're brothers. We're kingdom brothers. And I'll tell you, uh, Jeff Gaines, who pastors Christ Church, and Alan Hutchinson, who pastors First Church of God, their kingdom brothers because they've crossed denominational lines and they've extended that hand i want to encourage you to take what he's preached today put it into practice today i dare you and see what god's about to do i dare you to see what god's about to do in the house hallelujah amen amen thank you for listening today to the living godcast we trust and pray that you are blessed by today's word if you would like to contact us for prayer or for more information about Church of the Living God, please visit our Facebook page at WinCityCOLG or give us a call at 859-745-1865.